Amen. You know, it's, uh, we talk about discipleship, and we've been studying through discipleship. And uh, this morning, I want to uh, encourage you uh, in the fruit of discipleship. And we're going to be in John chapter 15. And if you have your scripture and want to open up to John chapter 15. You know, um, here a while back, I, I noticed that my neighbor... Uh, has a peach tree next door to me out in my backyard, and it looks like this. I took this picture of it uh, yesterday afternoon. And um, if you notice some things about this tree, um, I'm sure the tree has uh, been neglected. It's probably never been fertilized. It's never been pruned. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those trees, it's, uh, it's really tall, it has some very long, wispy branches, it has lots of leaves, and uh, provides a, a slim shadow of shade, but I'll tell you what it doesn't have. It doesn't have any peaches on it, ever. Last summer, well, I can't say ever, last summer I found one peach that was about this big, it was big as my thumbnail, and it was green and it never ripened up. Somehow it fell off at some point. But it, it, there's no fruit on this tree. And, um, you know, this tree reminds me of a great deal of Christians who've been planted in a certain locale and they live an undiscipled, undisciplined life. Oh, indeed, it is alive. And it grows a little bit each year. But there is little to no fruit. Folks, I think that's very important. As we think about our lives. You see, I also have a peach tree in my backyard. And um, I planted that tree in the yard after we had the house built and after G.C. Slough came and helped me landscape my backyard. This little early bearing tree has produced many wonderful peaches over the years that we've lived there. We've actually had an abundance of peaches to be able to share them with others as well. You know, I was going to bring a jar of peaches that were canned last year from this tree this morning as an example to show you, but uh, I realized that someone would say, you know, Ridge, if you were a good Christian, you would give me that jar of peaches. So I left it at home, and uh, Tracy and I will enjoy a cobbler later on at some point. But here's, here's my point. Every winter... Since I planted that tree, I have pruned that tree back. It doesn't look like much of a tree there compared to the other tree. And that's the way it looks today. If you go over to my yard, you're going to see it looking just like that because I pruned it back about a month ago. I fertilize it twice a year, spring and fall. But it consistently bears much fruit. There's always an abundance of fruit with it. It doesn't look like much, but man, it produces. I want you to read with me in John chapter 15. John 15. Jesus said this. He said, I am the true vine, 
and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love." If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Loving Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the fruit that comes from discipleship. I thank You, Father, that it is Your glory that we bear much fruit. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts even now. That as we look at these words of Jesus, as we recognize where we are, Father, I pray that you would show us the reality of where we are in you. And Father, that you would help us to discern that. And Father, that even today, even in this time that we have together, Father, that you would convict our hearts that we would desire more of you and less of us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, Jesus used this illustration of the vine and its branches to describe the close relationship between himself and his disciples. The relationship is between Jesus and his disciples. And in this relationship, the disciples will produce spiritual fruit. See, these verses show us the the meaning of fruitfulness. I mean, fruit is that outward expression. What people see of an inner nature. Okay? What comes from within and grows out is what people see. The fruit of a disciple's life is Christ-likeness in us. It's His likeness within us. I mean, God's fruit is Christ-like character. I love this because in Galatians 5.22, we're told that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, God's fruit is Christ-like character. And the person who is truly drawing life from the vine will be manifesting a Christ-likeness in their personality. See, so many times we we may or may not see that that fruitfulness in in someone's life. I mean, someone who is bearing this Christ-like character, they will be open to instruction. (laughs) They won't be a know-it-all. 
They'll be open to that instruction and correction rather than thinking they know it all. They're going to be soft and pliable, moldable, not hard, not immovable. They're going to be gentle with the hurting, those who are hurting in this life, not abrasive. People who treat others with respect, not as objects to be manipulated or exploited. See, they're going to be patient, not quick-tempered. They're going to be loving, not manipulating. The Christ-like character is God's fruit. But I want you to discover the real secret here. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a hymn. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to bear fruit. The Holy Spirit is the one who allows us to witness to other people. He bears witness through us that that when we allow Him to fill us, the persons whom we witness to, they begin to trust in Jesus Christ. We can share with them. We can talk with them. But if we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit, nothing is going to happen. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be His witnesses. This is the real secret to living this type of life. The life of discipleship. The life of being His witnesses. I mean, if you have an obedient relationship with Jesus Christ you will want to share with your friends about your relationship with Him. If you're not sharing about your relationship with Jesus, maybe it's not an obedient relationship. You see, you're going to want to share, even as a woman who is getting married wants to talk about her fiancé, wants to talk and let everybody know how wonderful the man is that she's going to marry, someone who is in an obedient relationship with Jesus Christ is going to want to talk about them. They're going to want to lift him up. They're going to want to tell everyone about who Jesus is and what Jesus means to them. You see, if we don't talk, if we don't share, if we don't witness then maybe we're not an obedient disciple of Jesus Christ. See, the branch that lives in the vine bears fruit. You do this as natural as you do following Him. You don't do it in your own strength. You allow the Holy Spirit to to empower you for the task. And when you bear fruit for Him, you bring glory to the Father. (laughs) Do you know how proud I am of that little tree in my backyard? I put it on the screen. I'm proud of it. You know why? Because it's bearing fruit. It's bearing fruit. See, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you show it by bearing fruit for Him. You do this as a natural result of following Him. But listen, a vine and a tree doesn't produce fruit just so a person can eat. Oh yeah, we enjoy the fruit of it. 
It also enables the seed from that plant to be scattered. Oh, so that the kingdom grows. I get it, Ridge. See, you're not a Christian just merely to produce the fruit of good deeds and good actions. You live as a Christian so that you reflect those Christ-like traits and the result of your fruit bearing is to produce other Christians. That's big. How many other Christians have you produced? This is the goal of discipleship. It's not so that we can have another Bible study. It's not so that we can learn more. It's, not so, that, it's so that we can follow Jesus more closely so that the Holy Spirit will go through us and help us to bear fruit for Him. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. And when I say this, I say this with all the love that I, I have because I don't believe that my neighbor knows how to take care of his peach tree. He's ignorant. I'm not saying he's dumb. I'm not saying he's stupid. I'm saying he does not know what to do with that fruit tree to make it bear fruit. I want you to bear fruit as obedient disciples of Jesus Christ. See, when you are obedient to witness, to bear witness to who Jesus is, and you plant that seed of Christ's love in good soil, it bears fruit in your life, and the Lord uses it to teach others about Himself. When they see your peace, when they see the love that you have, when they see your patience, the stuff that you have in your life that is different from the world's chaos, they wonder what makes you different from everybody else. And it gives you opportunity to tell them who Jesus is to you. Make no mistake, all Christians are expected to bear fruit. <laughs> That's what this passage says. Those that don't bear fruit, <laughs> they dry up, he puts them in the fire. Those that bear fruit, he prunes, he cuts them back so they will bear much fruit. Kind of seems weird. If you're cutting back something, it seems like you're cutting off a lot of the buds, a lot of the, the things that will, the, the flowers that will turn into peaches, and you're cutting them off of the tree. But the idea is if there is less of those, there will be more and larger fruit. Oh, but we don't like this. <laughs> Understand when, when Christ becomes our source, and we share our lifelong obedient relationship with Him, we become more effective in witnessing for Him. We live in a busy, influential culture that judges people by what they possess materially and not what they possess spiritually. We need to get to know the people around us and find out what's causing the hurt in their life. 
so that we can understand that and point them to Jesus. See, the meaning of of fruitfulness is just that, that we are all meant to bear fruit, every one of us. But notice the method of fruitfulness here. In this passage, two things ensure the most fruit. One of them is pruning, and the other one is abiding. Pruning and abiding. Now, pruning makes the vine more productive, and it helps with reconstruction after damage. Abiding means that we trust God's love to obey His Word and to to pray for His will to be done in our life. As we abide in Him, as we make Him the center of our life, as we make Him the source. But look at what pruning has done in my life. I share this with you because God began to prune away all the things in my life that were drawing the sap that were drawing up that life energy within the, my core being, that, that, those things that, that, that looks at, that, that brings out things in my life, that energy from the fruit. You see, in horticulture terms, they call these things suckers. Every spring, every, every spring what happens is my, my tree begins to shoot these suckers up. And what happens is those suckers take away the life sap, the, the, the energy, the, 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 that flowing stuff inside the tree, it takes it away from those buds that produce fruit and it puts it into growth and they grow up really long and straight and, and there's nothing on them. There is no fruit on them. Really what they do is they grow up in the middle of the tree and a very simple principle that you have in pruning is if it's growing on top of the limb probably needs to come off, at least for fruit trees. If it's growing on top, it needs to come off. If it's growing across another limb, one of them needs to go. Because what happens is, it'll just bruise your fruit as it's banging on the other one. Something else you need to understand is those suckers come up right in the middle. And you have to cut those out so that the sun can get into the middle part of the tree so that the fruit will ripen. Without that sunshine, without the sun, Jesus, shining in our life, we never ripen, we never mature, we never put forth much fruit. Those suckers have to be cut off. And I think it's huge because as God began to prune my life, He began to cut away all of those things in my life that I used to put before bearing fruit. I just assumed that I would bear fruit, that that it's just going to happen. My neighbor's tree doesn't bear any fruit. It doesn't just happen. I think this is big because I just want to give this to you straight. We don't want to surrender our will to God. Because we're all a bunch of control freaks. We want to be in charge of everything in our life. And if we submit and surrender to God and allow Him to use us to bear fruit, then we are no longer in charge. I've got to submit to Him. But as He's trimming us, as He's pruning us, He's cutting away those things that prevent fruit in our life. 
Is God pruning you? Is he pruning you today? I mean, what is God asking you to submit to? I mean, here's some principles here, four principles in the pruning process. I'll go very quickly through them. Well, not real quickly, but kind of quickly. The first one is this, is that God targets the area. He targets the area that needs to be pruned so that you can bear much fruit. (laughs) See, we have confidence in ourselves, don't we? I mean, God targets those areas that we see as our strengths. Oh, well, I'm good at this, and we have confidence in ourselves. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. God targets what we see as strengths in our lives. It might be our attitudes that He targets. Ridge, you need to change this attitude. It may be our habits that He targets. It may be our relationships that He targets, but God always, always, always confronts idolatry. When we put something above God in our life, He will confront that in our life. He always confronts greed in our life, our addictions and our prejudices. He always confronts those things. God is the one who targets those things in our lives. See, God also arranges the circumstances. (laughs) The tighter the grip that we have on something, maybe a, a relationship, maybe an attitude, maybe something else, the greed in our life, the tighter the grip that we have on something or someone, the more we trust in that thing, that person, the more intensely we love something other than God, the greater likelihood that the circumstances He will use to prune that in our life will be a public pruning. What happens is, is He confronts something in our life and we don't want to deal with it. And he keeps trying to get our attention. And we don't want to deal with it. And so we hang on to it tighter and tighter and tighter. And he says, okay, then we're going to go public with this. Because somehow, some way or another, he's orchestrating the circumstances in your life and mine. He's making us to where we understand what he's about. Sometimes sometimes God causes us to confront what He wants to change in our life. (laughs) Folks, this is the best way. When He puts something on your heart, hey, Ridge, it's me. You need to deal with this. That's His love coming out. But we don't want to deal with it because we're control freaks. So we say, I'm not going to do that. Talk to the hand. I'm going to do what I want to do. It's easier if when he confronts us, we deal with it. Other times, he simply allows us to follow the pathway of sin that we have chosen. He kind of just gives us a little more rope, if you know what I mean. Sooner or later, we're going to hang ourselves on it. But we've chosen that path. God arranges the circumstances. I would say also he... God chooses the tools that He's going to use in our life. He chooses the tools that He will use to prune us. And we can't tell God how or where we need to be pruned. (laughs) 
Be like that tree saying, oh, cut me here. Oh, I need to get rid of this. No. The vine dresser makes those decisions. The father is the one that makes those decisions. Now, sometimes he uses false accusations. You know, someone says something about you and it hurts. Maybe he's revealing something to you. Maybe it's hurtful remarks. Or maybe it's great challenges in our lives. You know, we, we, we call it talking about being between a rock and a hard place. Kind of like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do here. But understand this. That rivers that sing also have great rocks in them. There's a river up in Oregon, central Oregon. It's called the Deschutes River. And you can hear this river before you get to it. Because it flows down through the rocks. Those hard places. Those challenges. But understand that God is choosing the tools to prune us. But know this, know this, that loss, loss is always a part of the pruning process. Something always comes off. Something is always cut off in the pruning process. Something cut off of your life, something cut off of my life. I was blessed when he was pruning me back. I knew he was pruning me back. Of all the ways that God could get my attention. I was praising him and thanking him that it was financially. I was making more money than I probably ever made in my life. And you know what? My wallet had holes in it. Well, I had five kids too. But you know how it is. You think you're going to get a little bit saved up and the washing machine breaks. You think you're going to get a little bit saved up and the refrigerator goes out. You think you're going to get a little saved up and you got bald tires. It's always something. But of all the ways that God could choose to break Ridge Adams, he did it financially. And I am so grateful because I still have my wife. I still have all of my children. They're all healthy. And it's only money. Listen, if money can fix your problem, it ain't a problem. Seriously. If money can fix your problem. Notice that loss is always a part of the pruning process. He's going to take something away. It may be a relationship. It may be an attitude. It may be a habit. It may be something. But he's going to take something away in the pruning process. But recognize this also. (laughs) With God, nothing is ever wasted. What he takes away... You don't need. See, our pruning affects others around us. I mean, he can use our, in, our enemies as an instrument in the pruning process. <laughs> our family can also be used. Now, men, I know that you may think that your wife is angelic. You know, always up in the air harping about something. Glad Tracy's not here. But God uses our spouses in that pruning process. He uses our children 
in that pruning process of cutting away what is not needed. We don't like it when our spouses or when our children confront us and point out our flaws, do we? See, God also controls the pressure. It's God who sets the limits. He knows exactly how much pressure it's going to take to prune us. He knows exactly how much is enough. And folks, this is not what we want to hear. What we want to hear is that God only wants us to have pleasant circumstances in life. We want to be blessed. We want to hear that God wants to bless us. And the thing is, He does want to bless us. And the problem comes when we try to define the word blessing. See, to our society, blessing is synonymous with ease and and enjoyment. But God's definition of blessing is anything that moves us towards Christ-likeness. Because ultimately, He wants us to be like Christ. See, the author of Hebrews writes with a voice of experience in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, verse 9, 10 and 11 says this. It says, Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good so that we may share His holiness. All discipline for the moment seems to not be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Okay, now we're, we're done talking about pruning. Let's talk about abiding for just a little bit. Abiding means that we trust God's love to obey His word and to pray for His will to be done in our lives. See, I am unable to bear fruit unless I abide in Jesus Christ. That's what this passage says. Apart from me, you can do nothing. No branch can bear fruit by itself. The branch is part of the vine. It's not just attached to the vine. It's part of the vine. The very sap that goes up through the vine is what goes out to the branches. That's the life-giving power that produces the fruit. It flows through the branches and they, they originate in the vine. And the end of the branch that bears the fruit is the part that you see. I can't see the sap rising in my tree. I can't see the life force going up through there. The part that I can see is the bud that is just now beginning to open where the fruit will be. You see, that's the part that we see is where the fruit is. If you remain in Christ, if you abide in Him, you will bear fruit. Now what does this abiding look like in my life? When I began to take my walk with Jesus Christ seriously, and when I began to do that with intentionality, my whole life began to change. Before that, I just kind of let my life be on autopilot. You know, it's easy to do. We get busy. 
I mean, before that, if I came across some kind of a, a spiritual blessing or a spiritual truth, I was like, wow, thank you, Lord, thank you. That's cool. But then something changed. I was no longer content just to let things happen. For many of us, that's where we are. We just let things happen. I had to begin living with intentionality, being intentional about the things that I would do and the things that I would be a part of. I wanted to know that I was seeking God every day. I wanted to bear fruit in my life for the Lord Jesus. I wanted my life to count for something. And up to this point, I was living for myself. Yes, I thought I was being obedient. I thought I was doing those things. I was on autopilot. I was providing for my family. Those things that were expected of me. I was doing the things that were expected. I was feeding my family. I was loving my wife. I was taking my children to church and to Sunday school. Really doing everything that I knew to be a good Christian man. But I wasn't living with intentionality. I was on autopilot. However, when I came across this scripture, in John 15, in a Bible study, I came to realize that I cannot be fruitful on my own. And I will never be fruitful on autopilot. I have to be intentional. I must abide in Christ. See, I had to allow his life to flow through me. And fruitfulness, this is very important, fruitfulness is about my daily submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying it has a lot to do with your salvation. You are a Christian. But if he is not Lord of your life, if you are not surrendering to him daily as Lord, then you will not bear fruit. You're going to be like my neighbor's peach tree. Hmm, no fruit. See, as long as we try to live our own lives, we will never bear fruit for the Lord. But if we will submit our will to his, we will bear much fruit Christ in us causes our lives to glorify God. Is painful pruning going on in your life right now? I mean, when the, when the difficult times come, we have to learn to ask, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? When those difficult times, when, when it seems like the, the carpet's been jerked out from under you, when the whole world falls in around you and you don't know what to do, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this? <coughs> Excuse me. See, I would say if the Lord checked His vineyard, the church, the Lord checked his vineyard right now, would you be considered a dead branch? A branch that is weak but barely functioning? Or a branch that is bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? I 
I mean, it may be that you see for the first time that though you attend church, you don't have a life-giving relationship with Christ. I mean, realizing that step is the most important thing that you could learn. It's maybe I'm not where I need to be with Christ. Maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I haven't ever come to that point in my life where I've acknowledged Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. That is the first thing that must happen. Are you here as a part of this body, the body of Christ, to serve or to be served? Let me remind you, babies and children need to be served. Adults and those who are more mature should be serving. Plain and simple. So what is God asking you to submit to in the pruning process? Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Maybe following the Lord in baptism? Maybe joining this church body, maybe leading a class, maybe discipling someone else, maybe committing to having a daily quiet time, maybe surrendering your life for mission work. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with the Lord. But I know this, I want to bear much fruit. And I believe that you want to bear much fruit as well. But it's going to take a daily submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ for each one of us to do that. And I invite you to do that today. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for this passage of Scripture that speaks so clearly to to our hearts. I pray, Father, that in this that we would recognize you at work Maybe it's in the pruning process. Maybe the, the difficulties have come in and we just don't know what to do. Father, maybe we're pressed on every side and we just don't understand why you're allowing this to happen to us. But Father, you are in and through this whole process. You are in and through all of our life. And Father, if we truly want to bear fruit, it's going to be because we come to a place where we recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. Father, I pray for willing hearts. Father, I pray for my own heart. I ask God that I would be willing to be willing. Father, to do whatever you ask. That in that obedient, lifelong relationship with Jesus Christ, that I would desire to serve with intentionality. To cut off those things and to let go of those things that aren't going to bear fruit in my life. Father, that are not going to help me move towards Christ-likeness. Father, whether that's an attitude I have, a relationship that I have. Father, something that is keeping me from serving you with all my heart. Maybe fear, maybe loneliness, maybe whatever it is, Lord. But I pray today, Father, that you would make each of us willing to be willing. Just to give it to you. So that we might 
bear much fruit and therefore, therefore glorify our Father. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Guide us as we seek you. I pray for courage. I pray for strength. I pray, Father, that your people, your disciples would bear much fruit for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.